Welcome to the Holistic Psychiatry Podcast. I'm Courtney Snyder, a physician and child and adult holistic psychiatrist. In this episode, I'll discuss what Marilyn Monroe and her life have to teach us. It is well known that she struggled with her mental health. Her story raises a number of opportunities to discuss factors that can contribute to brain-related symptoms, including attachment disruption, trauma, mast cell activation, which is a form of inflammation, nutrient imbalances, which can be genetically acquired, substance use, and even environmental toxicity. I'd also like to highlight her strengths beyond her beauty and the persona that she created. The more I learn about her, the more I'm inspired by her drive, her courage, even her curious intellect and wisdom. The roots of these strengths, I'll argue, are likely connected to some of the factors that made her more vulnerable to mental illness. And lastly, I'll discuss how her calling, which was to become a serious actress, provided her with a sense of direction, structure, and meaning to her life. My own interest in Marilyn Monroe has come out of a conversation with my 16-year-old daughter who wanted to watch the recent CNN four-part documentary series titled Reframed Marilyn Monroe. Basically, this documentary reveals a new story of, as CNN describes, a complex and powerful woman ahead of her time, essentially reframing Marilyn Monroe's story through a female lens. I think we can all benefit from understanding the dimensions of one person's life. We are all multifaceted, not all this and not all that. That is part of what I hope to expand on in this podcast. I don't claim to know the complete truth about Marilyn Monroe's life. Like many, all I have are varying accounts from her close friends and colleagues and things that have been written about her. Marilyn Monroe struggled with symptoms as a child. She had dyslexia, stuttering, and anxiety. And as an adult, she had depression. She struggled with perfectionism, mood swings, difficulties with concentration, even hallucinations, and also as an adult had a substance use disorder. Because of her symptoms, some would suggest that she had bipolar disorder. Others have hypothesized that she had borderline personality disorder. As I go through her timeline, starting with her family history, I'll argue that she had multiple factors contributing to her symptoms. These would include attachment disruption, as well as nutrient imbalances. So specifically, I'll be talking about pyrrole disorder, and I have a podcast on these various topics I'll be getting into, so you can always reference those. But in short, pyrrole disorder is a nutrient imbalance that relates to low stress tolerance, when under stress, either emotional or physiologic, one can have an increase in pyrroles, which are a metabolic waste product. They leave the body through the urine and they take zinc and B6 with them. So becoming low and deficient in zinc and B6 can create a lot of both brain-related symptoms as well as gastrointestinal and immune-related symptoms. I'll also be discussing undermethylation. Again, I have a podcast on that. And this is a nutrient imbalance that relates to low serotonin activity, problems breaking down histamine, as well as problems detoxifying. Most individuals that have a diagnosis of major depression have undermethylation. Now, there are other 
biochemical factors that can be at play, but more often than not, it's undermethylation. And Marilyn Monroe had other traits that would point to undermethylation, which I'll discuss. And she also appears to have had mast cell activation. This relates to immune cells that, when destabilized or triggered, can abruptly release inflammatory mediators, causing more often symptoms involving the skin, gastrointestinal tract, respiratory symptoms, and secondary brain inflammation. So these can be symptoms that present rather abruptly and dramatically. And such triggers can include stress, but there can be a number of environmental triggers as well. And while this may sound like a lot of root causes one could be dealing with, pyrrole disorder, undermethylation, and mast cell activation often occur together. So we think of these as separate entities because they allow for separate tools that can be helpful. However, they very often occur together, as I believe is the case with Marilyn Monroe. So starting with her family history, and most of what is known is from her mother's side, genetic loading is very strong. Her maternal great-grandfather committed suicide. Her maternal grandfather had a history of work instability. He had migraines, memory loss, extreme mood swings, and what was described as violent fits. And he was described as abusing alcohol. Such mood swings would raise the likelihood of pyrrole disorder and or copper overload, both of which can run in families. Again, extreme rage episodes are very often related to pyrrole disorder or copper overload. Marilyn Monroe's maternal grandmother had severe postpartum depression. Now, overwhelmingly, the likelihood would be that she had copper overload. More than 95% of women with postpartum depression, anxiety, or psychosis have copper overload. She also had a high degree of instability. Later, she would go on to have hallucinations and be diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So this could be related to pyrroles or under overmethylation. Her mother was five feet tall without knowing a family history of stature. This could be relevant. If her family history was of low stature, it may not be. But for some individuals, it can be indicative of a low zinc level or even mold toxicity. Like her mother, she had postpartum depression again suggesting high copper. She was described as being uh, quite depressed, and that was her reasoning for putting her into foster care. Her mother was described as being vague and distant at times and other times angry and impulsive. When under stress, she would decompensate and have hallucinations and delusions. So this makes me think of high pyrroles again, because when someone has high pyrroles, when under stress, they can have significant symptoms. Mast cell activation, which though not considered a nutrient imbalance, very much overlaps with pyrrole disorder, but comes from an inflammatory perspective. These are likely the same population of individuals just being looked at from two different perspectives. Her mother was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. She was described as being extremely bothered, even hearing pages being turned. So this is referred to as hyperacusis, 
and can be related to a hypersensitivity, something we may see with mast cell activation, and again, even pyral disorder. And I would suspect she was dealing with a form of toxicity. We often will see this with mold toxicity as well, which is something that would make mast cells more reactive and make pyrrole increase. So again, Marilyn Monroe seemed to have a lot of genetic vulnerabilities, specifically to what sounds like pyrrole disorder, copper overload, and mast cell activation. At 12 days after Norma Jean was born, her mother placed her in foster care. Her foster care parents were very strict religious and would use a leather strap to discipline her. There was little affection, but this was a consistent home. There was a lot of shame taught about her body, which never quite made sense to Norma Jean. They made clear that they were not her parents and made clear who her mother was. And this was a woman who she was afraid of who would come to visit fairly regularly. Norma Jean was described as being very bright and inquisitive. She reportedly had problems with dyslexia and stuttering. It seems her mother did remove her from that foster care when she was around seven or eight, fearing that her spirit was being squelched by these foster parents. And because she was then still unable to care for her, she quickly realized uh, Marilyn ended up being in multiple placements and foster homes, uh, reportedly about 8 to 12, before she turned 16 and married a 21-year-old neighbor. Had she not had the relative stable, though very strict, Uh, experience of being in her foster family during those formative years or had some major corrective experience, it is unlikely that she would have been able to achieve what she did, which was to become one of the most famous celebrities of all time. Still, there was plenty of evidence of disruption in her attachment relationships and trauma as well. Specifically, those first 12 days, which likely weren't optimal given her mother's depression, and that she then had to change caregivers at 12 days, would further disrupt attachment. And again, as I've discussed in my previous podcast about attachment, our earliest times in our lives are the most foundational. Aside from being in and out of foster care after the ages of 7 to 16, she was also reported to have been abused, which would have left further impacts of trauma. It is worth noting, too, that to survive when one is with adults that can't be relied on to keep one safe and nurtured, one would have to hone their abilities to read people's emotions and motivations and essentially figure out what is wanted from them as opposed to really learning how to tend to one's interior self, learn to recognize feeling states, and to regulate those feeling states. And, you know, that ability to regulate feeling states comes through that attachment experience. Even as a child, Norma Jean wanted to be an actress. One of the places she was left 
by one of her caregivers was at a theater to watch movies each day, essentially having the movie theater be her babysitter. I would suspect that she felt a connection to those adults on the screen and had a hope and belief that they were protecting and minding her. And in some ways, they probably were. They were part of what would become her calling or her dharma, as it might be put. Despite her later reputation as a sex symbol, she aspired to be a skilled actress who had roles that were challenging to her. This was a source of great conflict between her and the head of Fox Studios. She wanted to be able to have more say in the roles. They wanted to keep putting her into the same types of roles. She eventually did succeed in getting to pick her roles and her director. This was something that required a lot of courage and a lot of savvy as far as how to navigate such systems. I focus on her attachment history in part because it's part of what shaped her, but also because she seemed to have reported feelings of emptiness, unstable relationships. She had recurrent suicidal thoughts with more than one attempt at suicide. She reportedly struggled with issues around her identity. Again, as I mentioned earlier, she has been thought to have had borderline personality disorder which, if present, would in part, and I would say in large part, be a result of attachment disruption as well as trauma, but also to the very biochemical vulnerabilities that I'll be talking about. The treatment that she received at the time for her brain-related symptoms was psychoanalysis. Psychoanalysis is quite unstructured, It is basically an investigation of conscious and unconscious factors in the mind, bringing up repressed fears and conflicts, and includes things like free association and dream interpretation. For someone that has problems regulating emotions or even recognizing feeling states, this could be quite destabilizing, but that was the treatment that was provided to her at that time, in addition to medications, including barbiturates, things to help her sleep, and then things to, uh, which I'm assuming would be stimulant medications to help wake her up. She had more than one psychoanalyst over time, but one in particular invited her to his home and obviously was completely violating what would be considered appropriate boundaries in the doctor-patient relationship. Today, DBT, or dialectic behavioral therapy, would likely be what would be recommended. This is a type of cognitive behavioral therapy that helps individuals identify and change negative thinking patterns and moves them towards positive behavioral changes. So this is a very structured and focused type of therapy that is designed to help individuals manage their emotions, tolerate stress, and improve their relationships. Where Marilyn Monroe seemed to benefit from structure was through her work and calling. After having some success in Hollywood, she left Hollywood to go to New York to start acting school with Lee Strasberg, and it seems her work provided her with a structure and goals 
to work towards. Separate from her genetic vulnerabilities and attachment disruption, I do think there's a lot of evidence that she had nutrient imbalances, including pyral disorder, and with that possibly high copper, as pyral disorder can cause low zinc, and low zinc can cause high copper. So they often go together, though not always. So as a child, she had dyslexia, which is not uncommon to have a reading disorder if someone has pyral disorder. When she was seven, there's a story about her dog, who she was very close to, who was killed either by a neighbor's car or intentionally killed by a neighbor, it's not clear. Apparently, in this setting of grief and overwhelm, she began to hear voices. Such psychotic symptoms in the context of high emotional stress or trauma could suggest mass cell activation and or pyral disorder, which I mentioned earlier. Pyral disorder is a nutrient imbalance. Mass cell activation relates to inflammation in the body that can cause secondary brain inflammation. When Marilyn Monroe was an adult, it did appear that she had decompensations in the setting of high stress. After her breakup with her husband, Arthur Miller, she went into a severe depression. Again, stress-induced symptoms could be consistent with pyral disorder. When someone's under stress, pyrals can go up, and then B6 and zinc can go down, and secondary brain symptoms can occur. Similarly, with mast cell activation, if someone's susceptible, they can have brain inflammation in the setting of stress. Like her mother, Marilyn Monroe was volatile and had mood swings, which could be suggestive of pyral disorder and or high copper. She did have miscarriages, which can be seen with both mast cell activation and in settings of low zinc. And again, low zinc could be due to pyral disorder. Neither of these factors are typically considered in conventional medicine even today. Now, as I mentioned, mast cell activation is more a term that speaks to inflammation actually in the body, but it can trigger secondary inflammation in the brain. And it often occurs in the setting of the nutrient imbalances that I'm referencing here. There are reports that Marilyn Monroe would break out in hives and sometimes throw up prior to shooting a scene because she would be so nervous. Hives are a mast cell-mediated phenomenon. Mast cells are immune cells that when destabilized, and this is usually when they're triggered somehow, they release histamine and other inflammatory mediators. So stress, such as the case with her becoming stressed while she's about to shoot an acting scene, can cause mast cells to destabilize. And this is by way of a stress hormone in the brain called corticotropin-releasing hormone that has been shown to bind mast cells causing them to destabilize. There's probably other factors too that will cause mast cell activation in the setting of stress, but we do know that corticotropin-releasing hormone is a trigger. Marilyn Monroe also had endometriosis, which is not uncommon. 
um, and someone that has mast cell activation. Also, she had gallbladder disease, which could also be mast cell mediated. While there can be a vulnerability to mast cell activation due to genetics, typically when someone is having recurrent and persistent symptoms, it's more likely that there's also underlying toxicity driving this. Certainly trauma can leave someone vulnerable, but what I see in my work is that there's usually toxicity that's come on board. This is where potentially her being undermethylated, which I suspect she was, and I'll explain why, could raise her vulnerability to toxicity. It can also make someone have more problems with high histamine states, as would be the case with hives, because methylation is required to break down histamine. It's also important with serotonin activity. So again, she's had evidence of high histamine states. I suspect she had toxicity given that she had high pyrroles and mast cell activation seemingly, and undermethylation would contribute to that. Other evidence that she would be undermethylated, just given her traits, would be that she was obviously very driven, very competitive, highly accomplished. She did have addictive tendencies and was described as being very perfectionistic, having at times to repeat scenes uh, even up to 80 times, which was quite exhausting for those people around her, though it was commented on more than once that she was so sweet and kind to those around her that she was given a lot of leeway, but this certainly impacted the studios, the cost, and even seemingly the goodwill of her colleagues. Her childhood history of stuttering could have been related to high histamine states. Again, this could be related to undermethylation. And I'll say it one more time, undermethylation, mast cell activation, and pyrrole disorder often occur together and very often with that too is toxicity. And as I look at her history, I think it's worth noting that when she moved back to California from New York, when her movie contract was renewed, she bought a home in Brentwood. She had already been struggling with depression, anxiety, mood swings, even questionable mania, though it's not described as persistent states of mania as much as shorter episodes of mania. However, when she moved back, it was the first time that she was known to be reporting sinus infections and recurrent colds. And this would make me wonder about mold toxicity, especially her having been in not necessarily a new home, but for her, what was a new home. She was also increasingly late for work, was having problems getting out of bed and having problems remembering her lines while filming. Because of these symptoms, she was fired from the movie that she was working with, with Dean Martin, Something's Gotta Give, that was never completed. Uh, Fatigue and brain fog are very common with mold toxicity, as they are with mast cell activation, which again can usually be secondary to something like mold toxicity or other biotoxins. Again, sinus infections and recurrent infections can be due to Mold toxicity, low zinc can also contribute to recurrent infections. And again, low zinc, there was evidence of that in her having miscarriages and 
her evidence of pyral disorder. I'd like to read an excerpt from a book called Fragments. This is a letter to Lee Strasberg, her acting teacher. Dear Lee, I'm embarrassed to start this, but thank you for understanding and having changed my life. Even though you changed it, I still am lost. I mean, I can't get myself together. I think it's because everything is pulling against my concentration. Everything one does or lives is impossible almost. You once said the first time I heard you talk at the actor's studio that there is only concentration between the actor and suicide. As soon as I walk into a scene, I lose my mental relaxation for some reason, which is my concentration. My will is weak, but I can't stand anything. I sound crazy, but I think I'm going crazy. Thanks for letting Paula help me on the picture. She is the only really warm woman I've known. It's just that I can't get before camera, and my concentration and everything I'm trying to learn leaves me. Then I feel like I'm not existing in the human race at all. Love, Marilyn. Now I share this because I think it speaks to the shame and confusion that can come with having brain fog that many of us can identify with. She does describe the experience of brain inflammation very well. This difficulty with really getting one's thoughts to land or to be able to maintain concentration when necessary. And lastly, though certainly not least, it is known that Marilyn Monroe had a substance use disorder. Specifically, she was prescribed sedatives and stimulant medication and was consuming large amounts of alcohol. There's no doubt that this would have played a role in her symptoms. However, because she had evidence of brain-related symptoms, even as a child, I would suspect these factors that I've mentioned are rather primary and that her substance use is on top of these. I would argue that her symptoms very much relate to her strengths. I would say that many, if not most, people struggling with such things as undermethylation, pyral disorder, and mast cell activation are often very driven, very talented, and gifted in a number of ways. Coming into the world wired with a sensitive brain and physiology, while it can bring great suffering, it can also bring greatness and a depth of appreciation and awareness that one might not have but for that physiology. As I said, today Marilyn Monroe likely would have received dialectic behavioral therapy. And even in these modern times, however, it's unlikely that she would have received treatment with a nutrient protocol to address things like pyral disorder, undermethylation, or to be treated for mast cell activation or evaluated and treated for toxicity, simply because this information is not so widely known at this point, which is exactly why I do these podcasts. Aside from windows into some of these biochemical root causes and attachment, I think it's worth learning from Marilyn Monroe's life also how multifaceted we all are. 
Obviously, she was stereotyped as not being very bright, struggling with mental illness, and being a victim of male-dominated power structures. These and the persona that she created, very intentionally for that matter, do not define her. Her great success was only partly related to her ability to draw people in. There were other beautiful women of the times. There were others who were symbols of sexuality. So there was more to her success. Our culture reduced her down to a few attributes, and she was much more multifaceted than that. She read a lot. Much of what she read related to self-improvement and self-education. She was very curious. She stood up to injustice. She loved children and she loved animals. She was sophisticated in her ability to persist and navigate the power structures in Hollywood at the time. She also had a confidence that if you'd like to learn more about some interesting and amusing examples of this, I would encourage you to watch the CNN four-part documentary series. The last lesson that I think shines the brightest in Marilyn's life was her sense of calling and purpose, which gives direction and meaning to one's life. Despite all the relationship upheaval and what became severe brain-related symptoms, Marilyn Monroe always returned or attempted to return to her true calling to be a skilled actress. And even after her death, which is debated whether it was suicide or someone killed her or it was an accidental overdose, um, Marilyn's calling still has persisted beyond her life. When she died, her estate went to the person that she trusted the most, and this was Lee Strasberg and his wife, Paula, who also coached her. I'd like to end with the eulogy that was given by Lee Strasberg. And so you know, Lee Strasberg is the really the father of the method form of acting in America and was the director of the Actors Studio in New York, which is now also in California. So I'm going to read some of it. But he says, Marilyn Monroe was a legend. In her own lifetime, she created a myth of what a poor girl from a deprived background could attain. For the entire world, she became a symbol of the eternal feminine. But I have no words to describe the myth and the legend. I did not know this Marilyn Monroe. For us, Marilyn was a devoted and loyal friend, a colleague constantly reaching for perfection. We shared her pain and difficulties and some of her joys. She was a member of our family. It was difficult to accept that her zest for life has been ended by this dreadful accident. Despite the heights and brilliance she had attained on the screen, she was planning for the future. She was looking forward to participating in the many exciting things she planned. In her eyes and in mine, her career was just beginning. The dream of her talent, which she had nurtured as a child, was not a mirage. When she first came to me, I was amazed at the startling sensitivity which she possessed and which had remained fresh and undimmed, struggling to express itself despite the life to which she had been subjected. Others were as physically beautiful as she was, but there was obviously something more in her, something that people saw and recognized in her performances and with which they identified. 
She had a luminous quality, a combination of wistfulness, radiance, yearning, to set her apart and yet make everyone wish to be part of it, to share in the childish naivete which it was at once so shy and yet so vibrant. This quality was even more evident when she was on the stage. I am truly sorry that the public who loved her did not have the opportunity to see her as we did in many of the roles that foreshadowed what she would have become. Without a doubt, she would have been one of the really great actresses of the stage. Now it is all at an end. I hope that her death will stir sympathy and understanding for a sensitive artist and woman who brought joy and pleasure to the world. I cannot say goodbye. Marilyn never liked goodbyes, but in the peculiar way she had of turning things around so that they faced reality, I will say au revoir. For the country to which she has gone, we must all someday visit. If you'd like to learn more about any of the topics that I discussed, including pyral disorder, mast cell activation, and undermethylation, please visit my website where I have blog posts or see my other podcast episodes, which I've done on each of these topics. My website is CourtneySnyderMD.com. My goal with this podcast is to help people find answers and to challenge each of us to look at ourselves and our families and even our culture through a different lens, one that offers more hope. Please consider rating or reviewing or liking or commenting when possible to help me get some of this information out into the world. If you know anyone that struggles with, for example, brain fog or depression or difficulties with substance or alcohol use, this particular episode might be helpful. To be notified of new episodes, please subscribe at CourtneySnyderMD.com or subscribe on this podcast. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube where I share additional information. I look forward to connecting with you in a future podcast episode or on one of those social media sites. Until then, take care. Bye-bye.